Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Seriously, man, you don't really think we're going to see any Canutes and 41 Rockies jerseys here at Coors Field, do you? I mean, no offense, I know you're a local and all, but that was a long time ago. You never know. I've seen some old guy jerseys around here, haven't you? In fact, I actually heard from a really good source. You mean you saw it on Twitter. Whatever. I heard that Chad Cool's wearing 41 now for the Rockies because he grew up a Milwaukee Brewers fan and he watched me wearing number 41 back in the day. That, you know, that's pretty cool, right? I see what you did there, Mark. Yeah, okay, wait. Look, he's right over there. Let's just go ask him. Well, you know, we probably shouldn't bother him. What do you mean? We're media. That's our job. Follow me. Uh, okay, but, but let me ask him. Hey, Chad, I'm Mark Knudsen. This is Manny Randall. We do a podcast called the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. He came up with the name. Congrats on your great start to the season. Are you liking it here? He's got a question for you, Chad. Okay, I heard somewhere that you're wearing number 41 here as a Rocky because, you know, I wore it a while back. A long okay, while back. Okay, whatever. I wore 41 in Milwaukee, as I'm sure you know, since I heard you grew up a Brewers fan and all. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, grew up in Delaware. Um, you know, kind of watched the Phillies kind of growing up, but uh, never really heard of you. So when they gave me 41, I don't think it really had some... Uh, significance behind it sorry yeah what's what show am i on it's the park adjusted rockies podcast and now here are your hosts mark knudson and manny randawa as we begin our second year here on the park adjusted rockies podcast we look ahead to next season and wonder aloud what the rockies roster will look like on opening day 2023 26 roster spots and as many as 40 candidates to help us sort through we went to the folks who cover the Rockies on a daily basis to get their best guesses as to who will be a Rocky next spring and who won't. Nick Groke from The Athletic, Danielle Allentuck from The Gazette, Patrick Lyons from DNVR, and of course, Thomas Harding from MLB.com. Infield, outfield, and on the mound. Their best guess is better than yours. So keep it right here and get educated on the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Back after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Back on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, joined by Nick Roke of the Athletic, Danielle Allen Tuck of the Gazette, Denver Gazette, Color Springs Gazette, the Gazette. Uh, guys, I want to talk about next year's roster, how this might break down. We've seen a lot of new faces, obviously, the last few weeks. Um, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. Uh, obviously, we don't know everybody who's going to be here because they may make some additions. But who's not going to be here? Let's start with the infielders. Let's start, I mean, I, in my opinion, you got two guys that are for sure going to be here, Brendan Rodgers and Ryan McMahon. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I think you have a couple non-tender options that you have to deal with this year. Garrett Hampson, a utility guy, but mainly infielder. He could be on that list, and Connor Joe could also be in trouble to be non-tendered or DFA'd. Yeah, Bill Schmidt has basically said the, the pillars of this team are Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I think that, I mean, personally, I think they should be on the table for trade, both of them, probably more Brendan because of his contract. But, um, they, no, they're going to be on the – they, they will be in the infield next year. The You know, beyond that, you have to look at duplications. Right. So – like as we look at their, you know, you look at the the roster today. You look at the lineup today. I mean, Alan Trejo and Garrett Hampson are duplications. So, do you need two? Uh, I don't. 
probably think so. Uh, those are the kinds of things that you would look for for a roster next year. Like who duplicates each other and what might be coming. Well, speaking of what's coming, Ezekiel Tovar makes his debut tonight. It's, you guys saw him in spring training. Everybody's anxious to see him now. What are we thinking about his possibility to be on this opening day roster next year? He's their starting shortstop, no question. They have so much hope for him, so much confidence in him. It's why he's here now. They get to debut out of the way, get him to experience major league life. He's going to be starting opening day in San Diego. And then I think Michael Toglia and Montero, I don't necessarily know if there's room for both when everybody's healthy. I think one will definitely be here. Uh, they're also kind of duplication of each other because they first play both play first. Montero can also do third, but I don't necessarily think you need both at this stage in their careers. And more duplication. The other first baseman factors into this too. C.J. Krohn going in the last year of his deal next year. It's got to be a trade candidate in the offseason, doesn't he, Nick? Well, you you would think so, but but uh, you know, again, I don't I don't know. It's not so much that like totally. You know, I think Danielle's right. The duplicate the duplication, if we can keep using the word is Montero and Toglia, not necessarily Toglia and Crone. Um, that's a tough sell. Like, Tovar is Tovar is the starting. Like, something would have to, like, go horribly wrong for Tovar to not be the starting shortstop on opening day. Um, Toglia's path is, like, a lot less clear. I don't know if it's he's necessarily ready, um, especially because he plays an offensive position. Tovar doesn't necessarily need to hit. Totally has he's he's a corner infielder. You have to hit. Uh, he is doing so. He's doing okay so far. He is. Um, his history suggests that he strikes out a lot. You can't have a thirty percent whiff rate as a first baseman. But he's also playing league. some outfield, which adds to his value. Right. Um, but I mean, one thing that we're going to see this winter, like they're going to go after. They're going to. They need a center fielder. They're going to go after a center fielder. If they add, let's say, like let's just spitball here. Yeah. Like let's say they add Brandon Nimmo. Okay. Well, now you know that. You know, that moves a lot of people yes. around center field. Um, they would have to find a spot for Randall Gritchick. They would have to, you know, Charlie Blackman needs playing time still. Um, yes, Crone, Crone, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, right. Well, I mean, he's the left fielder. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of on the other end. But, you know, you know, Danielle and I talk about this all the time. Um, what would what would you do? And separately, what would they do? I don't know if they, I don't know if they are interested in a Crone trade. It seems like that would be a good idea, but I can't tell if they think that's a good idea. What do you think? Do you think they want to trade CJ Crone? Absolutely not. They have said they will not trade Crone. He's their best player. Maybe that changes this offseason, but they love him. He's They're not trading him. Okay, we have two catchers. You add third one is Dom Nunez. Will two or three or none of those guys be back next year? At this rate, it's Diaz and Servan, unless they make moves this offseason. They believe very strongly that Drew Romo is their catcher of the future. He's on his way up maybe two years until he's here. Um, but they're not going to go out and get a catcher if they think Romo is coming. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Diaz is Diaz is their primary, and they just need to fill a hole. I don't know if there's a lot of – there's not a lot of potential, like, upgrades really available. Yeah. So I don't – you know, it's just like it's just like a bad era for catchers right now. I mean, the, who's who's a good catcher? Okay, okay, but it's been a bad thirty years for the Rockies <laughs> at that position, right? No, I mean, you're right. Of, yeah. of the one position on the field that they've never had an All Star, that's the that's the spot. They've never drafted anybody. Uh, you know, Petrick obviously had his problems, and uh, they've never drafted an All Star catcher. They've had an All Star in every other position. The, what they need, this team, this lineup needs power. Period. Like that's why Crone's going to be on the roster next year because they're desperate for power. 
The last time, I mean, last time they looked for power at the catcher position was a freaking disaster. <laughs> like, will, you know, uh, Willing Rosario, like, yes, he could hit you 30 home runs. And he was the worst defensive catcher I've ever seen. And then, like, you know, like, and then you get desperate and you're like, well, hell, we should, maybe we have to put him at first base. He was an even worse first baseman than he was a catcher. Like, these are the, these are the things that you have to think about when you're, like, when you're trying to, I mean, that's a tough spot to look for an offensive upgrade. There's just, like, it's just not out there. So we're assuming that Inglacius is gone, his contract's up, right? And Tovar's going to be this, the shortstop. How many rookies can you play next year? I mean, they played, what, five yesterday? How many can you have in the starting line? I don't think we're going to see this kind of this many rookies in the spring. I think that they're testing them all out right now. A lot of them were full five candidates, like Gavin Howe was one of those. They need to get him on a 40-man now, see if they like his stuff before they decide they're going to keep him around. But I think they're going to cut back. All of them have options, so they can yeah. send them to the minors and bring them up and down. I think that's where you'll see a lot of next year. You Do you like this infield with Tovar at shortstop? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not going to... I mean, there's not a lot of different there's not a lot of difference um i mean it's it's i don't think there's you know it's not going to be a step back from jose iglesias he makes a lot of contact i've been kind of surprised by iglesias this year yes. he's making a ton of contact and you're gonna not that's not what you're gonna get from tovar probably um he's not gonna <laughs> i mean whatever like, like iglesias contact rate is ridiculous like iglesias a veteran he knows how to right right um but so like you know i, I don't it's not necessarily a, a drop back all things considered, but you have the, the the problem with a whole bunch of rookies is what happens when somebody goes over you know, goes for two for twenty six, like man, do you let them play through that? What happens if somebody gets injured? You you already have a rookie as a starter. If one of them gets injured, like what? I mean, you really have to think about some some contingencies. Yeah, because uh, Trejo would be the contingency at shortstop because Rogers isn't going to play there, and McMahon's not going to play there. Right, and you know, and and right, exactly, and and. But you know, then you're then we're, then you're talking about a depth issue because you have a you have a really young starter you at shortstop. You your bench, period. And you have yeah. a really yeah, you have a really young guy as your depth piece as all on as a bench piece. Like the dominoes. I mean, this is this team has been one of the least had the least amount of depth like in the major leagues for a couple of years now. And you're gonna have Alan Trejo as one of your one of your bench guys. Like, I mean. I mean, again, I guess it can't get they can't get less deep, <laughs> but but it is like an issue, and these are the things they're going to have to think about. I think. Bill Schmidt said at the All Star break, we're all clamoring for trades, and he said we like our team. Four very chilling words to Rockies fans: we like our team. Are they going to like this team enough to bring it back almost intact next spring? I think that there will be a couple changes. I think they are going to go after a center fielder. They're going to need some more power in the outfield, but I don't see them making any huge free agent signings that this field is going to look completely different next year. I mean, they like their pieces. They think these pieces can help them win. I think you'll see very similar lineups. I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Continuity is always a good thing, but, you know, I don't know. There's just there's too many holes. There's too, many, there's too much work to be done on this roster for them to accomplish in one winter they need to be they need to start building they need to they need to do things this winter for 2024 um like so and you know the one thing that we've seen and it's been consistent it's the one it's one of the things that's been consistent between jeff breidich and bill schmidt they just don't participate in free agency very much and they don't participate in trades that's two of the three pillars to build to build a roster um, at some point, they have to do that. They have no pitching coming, and 
right now they need they're desperate for starting pitching like just numbers wise you just have to have like enough guy you just have enough dudes like not even to get better you just have enough dudes like they're gonna have to participate this winter in some form um and like i said they're gonna they need starting pitching and they need center fielder and they need more power so like that's not coming there's none of that in triple a right now um there's very little of it in double a um i mean they're gonna they, they they need to do they can't sit on their hands even if even if next year's a wash, they can't sit on their hands this winter. Period. Nick Roke, Ellen, Danielle Allen, take you. Go ahead. Say. I was gonna say their problem is is they believe so strongly in the guys who are coming up. They're all basically here right now. Nobody else is close. Being maybe at the end of next year, but they don't have anybody else coming. This is it. It's been an albatross for a long time. Danielle, thank you very much, Nick. Appreciate it. Back on the Park Adjusted Rockies <coughs> podcast, joined by old buddy Thomas Harding. I don't mean you're old, but your old buddy Thomas Harding, uh, Manny Randall. We're going to talk about the Rockies roster, what the roster will look like next April. And let's specifically focus on the outfield right now. Crowded. Um, a lot of guys have had a chance to play this year. Eh, limited, limited success. One guy who hasn't played Nick much this year will be on the team. We know that. Chris Bryant. How's it, how do you see the rest of the outfield shaping up next year, Thomas? Well, it's funny. You can look at it as crowded because there are a lot of guys. But also, it's not full, if you know what I mean. Because looking at this roster, I don't see a regular center fielder. Um, the probably the best thing that's happened in this outfield is that Jonathan Daza has made enough contact to play, um, and, and he's a pretty good defender. But you are better when he's your fourth outfielder and not your center fielder. So you expect Chris Bryant back in left field, and really he's kind of the key to this whole thing. He's the lead card in the House yeah. of Cards. When you know when, when he wasn't there, the House of Cards is all falling apart. You know, it, it was not good. Um, you have him there, obviously he makes the rest of your lineup better. Then in right field, a lot of Randall Gritchick, Maybe a little bit of Michael Tolia and some Charlie Blackman, but you think Charlie Blackman is going to be a DH type. So the corners, you may be in decent shape, especially if Gritchick hits the home runs he was expected to hit this year. Um, but center, to me, is a hole. Do you, do you right see, now. Thomas, we talked about this a little bit um, a couple weeks ago. Do you see the Rockies now with their farm system um, ranked as high as it is suddenly with everything that's happened so quickly? Do you think the Rockies will be willing to deal from their their depth there, maybe in the lower minors, to address that situation? Or do you think they'll go out in the free agent market uh, and try to, to get an everyday center fielder? Well, I think when you look at what, what they need to do with the depth that they have, they have two screaming holes, center fielder, and they need to bring someone into the rotation. I will even say that they need to bring someone into the rotation that is almost a number two type pitcher on this staff. They've got to bolster that rotation. Um, you're, they're still holding on to their prospects because it does look like um, maybe at 2023-ish, you start seeing guys 2024, maybe it's starting to gel into something. You do have to trade from some of that. So the question is, do they feel like they have enough? Are they willing to... Um, lower their amount of depth to trade for those two positions. I personally believe I think the center field is something they would try to get on the free agent market and the pitching would be something they trade for. How's, it, how's Brandon yeah. Nimmo look to you right I'll now? Give me my next yes. Yeah, he because would, he's going to be right there. He would, to me, look like the best guy and I think when um, 
I've talked to people in and out of the organization. Everybody says he's kind of the guy. Here's the question. Obviously, um, he's uh, what Wyoming native. Yep. Yes, Chiam he's Wyoming, a Wyoming. Yep. I am Wyoming Rockies native. Fan. Yep. He's a Rockies killer. Yes, he he has beaten the daylights out of the Rockies. The the question. Whenever the Rockies come up with him, and, the, and obviously I've not talked to Brandon Nimmo or his representatives, is that's a good situation in New York. Yeah. There's money in New York. They are going. They are going to the playoffs in New York. Does he want to go somewhere where it's not exactly? I, I would say that going into next season, no one is expecting the Rockies to right. win the West. Okay. Right. So that is the biggest question when it comes to Nemo. Then the second biggest question, which is probably the bigger question here, is with a number of teams looking in center field, I mean, it's really hard to find those guys. Where does the price go? Where do the years go? And that's where you start running into issues with Zach Veen mm-hmm. already in double-A, with, um, with, with Benny Montgomery moving up. Those two guys, I think Montgomery may be the center fielder, but Veen can certainly play it until he moves to a corner. How long a contract do you sign with your free agent center fielder? Or do you sign that contract and maybe, say you sign a Brandon Nimmo, he plays center field. Then when the younger guys get up, he moves to right field. That sounds like a pretty good thing. Or he plays some left and Chris Bryant rotates into the DH situation. So there are ways around it, but those are the questions you ask before you go after a Brandon he smiles, Nimmo. He smiles a lot. Who? Brandon Nimmo. He's always smiling. Yes. And he sprints to first base on a walk. He's a Rockies type guy. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I, listen, obviously the more local guys, you get the better in my opinion. I'm, I'm biased. Uh, but a guy who wants to be here, I mean, do you want to be a big fish in a local pond? Or do you want to still be one of those guys who's going to the playoffs every year? That's a good question to ask because we, we have no co- clue about that right now. He's not going to talk about that while they're in the middle of a pennant race. Right. Yeah, no, no, he won't. And what I found when Chris Bryant signed, and I've seen this with some position players, I remember asking Chris Bryant about it. It's like, you know... He's talked about um, he's had friends who've gone to other teams and not made the playoffs during their contract. But also, he basically said, not in a boasting way, but I played for the Chicago Cubs, and and they've never won anything. We won a World Series when I was there, so I'm not afraid of that. So do you have a player that says, I'm not afraid of that? Or do you have a player that that, um, maybe he isn't afraid of it, but he loves a winning situation in New York with Brandon Nemo? Are any of the guys in this outfield mix tradable? Manny talks about trading prospects, which they've never done. They've just loathed to do that. But are any of the guys, Gritchicks or the Hampsons or any of these people that might be part of an outfield mix, Daza for that matter, tradable? As part of, here's, here's where the problem is. One of the first things that went wrong with this team was when Chris Bryant was hurt. It tested the depth. So do you, if you trade your depth, you got to get more depth back. Now, yeah, you could package a Daza. You could package a Daza who has another year of club control before arbitration. You could package him with some of those prospects, but I don't think anybody is giving you a number two, three starter um, because Jonathan Daza's in that deal. Um, it just depends on how it all works out. But I think if I think you need to improve the frontline outfield, but you still need that depth. With Toglia showing the ability to play the outfield, it surprised most of us. Uh, thought he was just strictly a first baseman, kind of the Todd Hilton path. Is Garrett Hampson a goner? Is this the end for Garrett Hampson? Um, if you're asking me, yes. Uh, if, if you're asking the Rockies, I think Thomas is probably in a better position to answer that question. Garrett Hampson has been a guy that, yeah, he hasn't been, you know, the argument is he's not getting he's everyday reps. Yeah. And he can play. He's versatile. He can. He's fast. Um, I just don't. I just 
I don't think we've seen I think we've seen enough of him to know that it's not going to happen for him here as far as on base percentage um, because you got to get on base you know the, the, the poster child for this is Billy Hamilton you got to get you got great speed never gets on base Garrett Hampson he'll pop a home run for you every once in a while once he gets in there to pinch run he's a great asset but beyond that can I don't you afford so. that asset though I mean, right. you only get four reserve players they got to well, be able to be versatile yeah they've got to be able to be versatile and also Garrett Hampson's making 1.8 million a little bit above that as a first year arbitration guy last year that figure is going to go up which leads me to believe that I doubt that he will be back now with the new rules next year guys who can run are of a premium and if you take him away who on this team can run? I'll tell you, on the 40-man roster th- that's anywhere close to the major leagues, you've got Winton Bernard sitting in AAA, yeah. and that's it. Of course, they I haven't mean, run this year either. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that almost nobody runs this year. I do think it becomes a part of the game next year. My goodness, I hope it becomes a part of the game, and it becomes a big part of the game. But you look at this Rockies roster, and I think I did a video at some point, the Beat Report, if you want to look at MLB.com, a couple of them ago that I said, there's not a lot of speed on this team, so the guys who hit home runs, you expect them to, they're going to have to hit home runs. I don't see where these guys are going to take advantage of the new rules because there simply isn't well, enough speed until Zach Veen and Montgomery get here. To be fair, Tolia runs pretty well for a big man. He's not, a, not necessarily a base stealer, but if you're looking for somebody you don't have to pinch run for, that if you can play right and, and first base, maybe his, his athleticism gets him a spot. Well, this is where... I think they're going to have to make some real decisions on this roster because as much as it's nice that Michael Tolia can play right field, when you see him play first base, it is special. It's and, not ideal to have Michael Tolia out right well, field. Well, it, it's, yeah. it's not just that. Right. It's Remember when um, Todd Helton came up? He played yeah, a few yeah, games yeah, in right field. Similar path. And that, and, but they've quickly got him to first the base where he belongs. And if you look at it, there may be some parallels to them mm-hmm. because the, the, the um, next year... They played year, almost the exact same number of minor league games. Right. And, and, and the following year, the Rockies had John Vanderwall. Mm-hmm. And basically what Don Baylor did was let's, ma- let's feed Helton some left-handers until um, until we know he can hit lefties. Then they traded Vanderwall. Yeah. That may be the fate of C.J. Crone here, is that, um, you know, as, as the season goes on, I think that they're a little afraid not to start a season with C.J. Crone, but if Tolia is who they say he is, then maybe that's when that trade happens. Yeah, I mean, that, the, the thing about Tolia you guys mentioned just a minute ago is that he you can't compare a guy to a guy who's going to go to the Hall of Fame, like Helton, but... Um, Man, does he strike a similar mm-hmm. pose, a similar cutout, a similar silhouette, whatever you want to call it? So. And uh, left-handed first baseman, except this guy can switch it. So, um, you know, the, it's it's really going to be interesting to see because since Todd Helton, there hasn't really been that power-hitting first baseman for the Rockies, and uh, that's a huge hole that has not been filled permanently, and they're hoping totally as a guy. Yeah, yeah, it's not been filled permanently. Obviously, you had a couple of interlopers, Mark Reynolds, and also Justin Morneau that you can't you can't forget about. But it's Michael funny. Kadire too. Yeah, well, yeah. Although Michael Kadire played a, uh, outfield a lot, he yeah. was more like that profile. When I look at Tolia, and th- th- this hit me, I think yesterday when he made a play. But when I look at Tolia, I see some of the Helton type fielding. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't seen the throwing because we haven't seen that opportunity, but the way that he handles high throws, you know what he reminds me a little bit of just, just in the effect he has on other guys? Derek Lee, who actually prevented yeah. Todd Helton from winning more gold gloves than he sh and he should have probably won more. But, I mean, that reach that he has, especially up and to his right, is incredible. All right. Thanks, Thomas. Appreciate it. Have a happy offseason. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you. Joined now by Pat Lyons from uh, DNVR. Covered the Rockies all year long. Patrick. I'm a Patrick kind of guy. Patrick, right. Yeah. We're, Patrick. All right. We're good with that. Um, we're all friends here. Yeah. We're breaking down the roster, what the roster might look like next April, okay? Some guys will be gone, some guys here. We'll talk specifically about the pitching staff. Obviously, there's some holes. There's some guys who, young guys who may or may not have, have done enough this year to warrant sticking around. But obviously, we're looking at five starters and eight relievers, 13-man pitching staff probably coming out of camp next year. Who's going to be on this pitching staff? Who's, well, we'll start this way. Who's not going to be on this pitching staff that's on it now? Well, I, you have to think probably the, the two free agents starting pitchers and Jose Urania and, and Chad Cool more than likely can find a spot somewhere else. I know for the trade deadline, you know, Bill Schmidt and the Rockies have talked a lot about, hey, you know, this is, uh, these are two guys we'd like to keep around. They seem to enjoy it here. Um, but, of course, Ryan Feltner now has... has Kind of stepped up there uh, with uh, the big three, if you will, of Kyle Freeland, Antonio Cinzatella, and Herman Marquez. We'll we'll see about Cinzatella uh, if he's you know ready, and, and even if he's not, you know he'll probably be able to go at least half the season. But those guys right there, and and Austin Gomber is is still a guy that Bud Black considers to be you know starting pitcher that could battle. We'll see if he's still around, you know, yeah. to start next year. So uh, I sort of tend to think Cool and Urania would be elsewhere. Urania uh, more likely than Cool because. You know, since that complete game shutout of the Dodgers, he really hasn't done uh, very much uh, at all. Whereas Urania, he's kind of held his own. I mean, I wouldn't say he's been uh, good Not or, super or great. consistent, but, but good at No, he, he'll eat up innings, right? Um, so I don't know that you really want to pencil him in as your fifth starter, but uh, you might not have uh, too many better options in general. We talked to Thomas Harding, and uh, he said that this team needs a second starter, second, uh, a, a number two uh, caliber starter. What do you think about that? And do you think the Rockies go and trade from uh, prospect depth or go, you know, free agency? Maybe less likely in that for in that situation. But do you think they go and try to add to this pitching depth from the outside? I think that would be a great idea. I I don't. I don't think there's any way that that happens. Free agency, we know you're yeah, not going to get anybody to come here. Forget about that. So trade, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. But they it will, yeah. But they never have. They never have, and you know, there's obviously a reticence to trade prospects and to get a number two. You're trading your top yep. prospects. Now, uh, I've been talking about you know the the Tapia Gritchick deal was so interesting from the fact that they finally gave up a prospect. Now Adrian Pinto, you know, he only played like 47 games with Dunedin uh, with with Toronto and in Low A, but still they gave up a guy that you know they liked. He was kind of a top 30 prospect. So there's a willingness to trade those kind of guys, but you're gonna have to trade a top five prospect uh, maybe even two in the top 10 maybe even three potentially to get back like a number two starter and that's just it's just not the team's philosophy you need as many of those young guys as possible you need uh quantity almost more so than yeah, the there's quality. not a position really in the in, in the minor leagues that's deep there's not a, a glut of shortstops or a glut of catchers or you know obviously there's never been a glut of catchers but there's not they can't afford to give up a Zach Veen or, or Drew Romo, right? I, right. I, I don't think so. I, I, I think they have a little bit of depth at, at catcher, but again, you're not going to get a number two starter for that. I think they have to get creative. I think they almost have to have the approach that you know the Cubs had in the 
the mid 2010s where they drafted a whole bunch of hitters mm-hmm. they could develop hitters they just had a little difficulty developing starters so you know they signed a guy like john lester mm-hmm. uh they traded for jose quintana which i'm sure they would love to have that deal back as they gave up dylan cease and eloy jimenez um but I think that's where they could go is, is trade one of their younger bats, maybe a, a Yankee Fernandez. I don't think you want to deal uh, Adio Amador, especially since he's your minor league player of the year. But you do have Ezekiel Tovar there now. So uh, certainly middle infield prospects could be uh, the way they could go as far as making a trade. But trade, I, I'm all about that. I, I think you got to explore that. And, and maybe you don't get that number two starter, but you get a guy who could be that number two starter and make a deal similar to what you were able to do in, in at a 2016 when you got Herman Marquez right. from the Tampa Bay Rays. Is it, is it more likely that this team stands pat and looks for a guy from within to fill number five? Because we've seen glimpses from all these guys, the top four, right? We've seen Austin Gomer when he came over here had a good, good pretty future, good yeah. season last mm-hmm. year. Um, and you already talked about the quote-unquote big three here in Colorado who have all shown flashes of brilliance, each, each and every one of them. The question is consistency. So it seems to me just the, the pattern of this team is like, you know what, we're good. We, we'll, we'll go with those four, and then we'll hope somebody competes in spring training for number five. What do you think? I'd, I'd be more inclined to say they would do nothing rather than have something happen. doesn't mean they're not going to explore it, right? doesn't mean they're not going to go out and do it, but will they kind of take that final step? It'll have to be, you know, the right deal. I, I think it's probably more likely that they bring in a number four, number five guy in free agency, like, like they did this year with Chad Cool, uh, and then just fill from within. Anybody in the minor leagues, uh, Peter Lambert, anybody like that that's close, that if things broke right, like Manny said, they show up in spring training and they become number five? I mean, if we're talking about number five, I mean, that, that's a lot easier to do. I mean, Carl Kaufman's been someone that, you know, last year in his first year, uh, full season, first just year in general in the minor leagues, um, since he was shut down in 2019, 2020, there was no season. He really struggled at AA Hartford. Uh, but, you know, he was a little bit better in, in Albuquerque. It's, it's hard to really know when, you know, the team ERA is about seven uh, for, for the isotopes. Um, but Kaufman could be one of those guys that fills that spot. You know, he was uh, really good for the University of Michigan there, uh, pitching in the College World Series. So he'd probably be that guy. Um, I've always, you know, kind of had somewhat of a liking of a Mitchell Kilkenny, but um, you know, doesn't doesn't necessarily excite you, and I don't know if that he'll be ready, you know, to, to start the season as your number five. Have we guy. given up on Peter Lambert? Uh, probably. I mean, yeah, whatever you get out of him now is is, is bonus, but uh, yeah, the Peter Lambert era of 2019 is is over, unfortunately. Let's, let's talk about the bullpen. Um, Daniel Bard's had a miraculous season. They've signed him long term. He's going to be here. He's going to be your closer. We've seen a lot of Carlos Estevez. He's been here for a while. Some other guys in there that you know you hope you come back from injury, etc. What's this bullpen going to look like next year? Uh, that could be rough. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to bring a lot of ba- back there, a lot of their young guys. I think Estevez is more than likely gone because yeah. he's going to do well in free agency. Mm-hmm. He I, Three years, $20 million. Like I think there's a team out there that even if they don't see him as a future closer, they're like, oh, this is a perfect setup guy. You know, he posts every year. He goes out. You know, he doesn't get hurt. So, uh, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's going to be, be all right. He's going to make some money there. So, you know, I think they're going to look for Justin Lawrence to, to step up and maybe be that eighth inning guy. Uh, you no longer have Robert Stevenson to kind of hope on as like a future closer. Um, so it, it's going to be rough. We'll see what happens with Lucas Gilbert. You have to hope that he bounces back, doesn't need Tommy John surgery. Tyler Kinley, you're not going to have back until about mid-year. So uh, that could be probably their, their biggest hole to fill uh, than any other. Number four, number five starter, 
you can get lucky and, and, and find you know one of those guys off on the scrap heap, but a seventh and eighth inning guy, that's going to be uh, a little bit harder. They, I think they really like Jake Bird. I mean, go back and look since he's been called up. You know, Buddy is, is kind of put him in some big spots yeah. early. Then he kind of faltered a little bit, but I think they trust him. Um, Chad Smith's been been all right, but they uh, they're they're two really good relievers short of you know having a, even a, somewhat of a complacent bullpen, so to speak. I think uh, you you hit hit the nail on the head when you said um, doesn't excite you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. what this team is about in terms of um, you know really any off season. It's like except the you know last season Chris Bryant, which came out of nowhere, came out of left field, literally pun intended. That's like you know nobody saw that coming. But um, overall, it seems that this is going to be it doesn't excite you, but we hope somebody steps up. And you know, in a, one way that the Daniel Bard deal makes sense is it gives you a couple of years. You hope for someone else to emerge like a. Justin Lawrence or somebody else who emerged to be the ninth inning guy two years from now. And I, and I think, you know, I really like the moves that they had made uh, in the offseason, which really for them was just March. Uh, besides all the extensions, you know, they, they brought in some guys that were cheap. You know, Jose Iglesias, he yeah, ended up turning out being pretty darn good. Yep. Alex Colomay, he ended up being pretty darn good. Chad Cool was really good for a while. So uh, I think if they get back into that market and say, all right, uh, it's like musical chairs. Look, there's only so many seats left. Some of you guys have to come to Colorado to fill yeah. those holes. Like, all right, and, and if they go that route, I think they'll be okay. Might not be exciting. Definitely won't be sexy. But you can look and say, all right, if Bryant's healthy, he's going to win a batting title, I think, in the next two years, in 23 or 24, yeah. in this if ballpark. He's, field, he he's absolutely, after watching him play this year, just, he just peppers balls all over the field real easy. I, I think he's going to be a Kadir type. He'll win a batting title. Um, you get everybody back, and maybe McMahon you know, gets out of his own way just a little bit uh, and does well. You can kind of squint and say, hey, if all things go right, third place uh, wild card kind of club if they go the, that cheaper route on some of those second-tier free so, agents. So Patrick's expecting next year to be better than this year, which is always good news. That's good news. And you know what? If there's any team that you have to go with uh, with respect to, you know, Hope Springs Eternal and Spring Training, it's this one. Yeah. Um, because, and, and the best you can hope for is be in the, in the wild card race. And um, if everything goes right, like you say, you squint a certain way, you could see that maybe they could make, it, make that run. Hey, Patrick, we appreciate it very much. Thanks, Enjoy Pat. the offseason, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Manny, we're back with a closer right after this, right? Yeah, you got right. it. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. The Rockies lost to the Padres in their final home game of 2022 on Sunday. That brought their final home record for the season to 41-40. and Now, the uninitiated observer, or in this case, listener, would probably ask the following question after hearing that. Well, how'd they do on the road? Ah, the road. As of this edition of The Closer, Colorado's record away from Coors Field is 24-48. and 48. They'll likely lose a few more on their final road trip to close out the season, which will take them through San Francisco to face a Giants team that recently swept them, and then Los Angeles for six, count them, six, against the 106 and counting win Dodgers. All of that is to say the Rockies have been very bad on the road. And that's nothing new. In fact, in their 30s season history, the Rockies have finished above 500 on the road three times. 
So here's a suggestion. Just chalk up 40 losses on the road when you begin the season. That's right. Just concede that the course hangover is not something you'll likely overcome. Not after three decades of abject failure in trying. Chalk up 40 losses on the road and win 55 to 60 games at home. Make that the priority. Build a juggernaut for Coors Field. Now, given the current constraints the club has because of what have proven to be poor free agent decisions over the past few years, this may not be a realistic goal in the short term. But bring back the Blake Street Bombers and outslug everyone at home so you can afford to lose games that you know you're going to lose on the road. Take the first postseason team in franchise history, the 1995 Rockies. In a shortened season, they went 44-28 and 28 at home and 33-39 and 39 on the road. And if you ask some of the Atlanta Braves from that year who had to face Colorado in the National League Division Series, and I have, they'll tell you that the Rockies should have been the team to move on to the NLCS, not the Braves, who went on to win the World Series that October. Take a cue from the old school, Rockies. If you're going to win and do so consistently for the first time in the history of the organization, you've got to dominate at home. The regular season is winding down, but our closer is still in top form. Our thanks to Nick Grove from The Athletic, Danielle Allentuck from The Gazette, Patrick Lyons from DNVR, and Thomas Harding from MLB.com for sharing their insights. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.